Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. You know, so, I don't know if you caught that. Tony and Katie are getting married next week, so that's, that's why this is all happening. So we're excited about that. But we do have a giveaway for all the men, you guys should have your coupons, right? Pull out your raffle tickets. Uh, we're giving away just a, a grill kit. So how about you pull it out? Well, you can't throw yours in there. Rose, will you pull one out? I don't trust Tony. So now if you were here during Mother's Day, it was awful. We went through like 10 tickets, 20 tickets before we found somebody. We had a little mishap on, anyway, so 985-376. All right, come on up. Yes, all right. Woo. All right, Mike, make us proud, all right? All right, make us proud. I'm buying for supper a week from the next week. Okay, shh, shh, don't tell him that. <laughs> all right. Um, so we're actually wrapping up our series, Tough Topics, Living at Peace Without Compromising Scripture. It's been an interesting series, you know, if you've been here through it. Um, our key verse was Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that's our goal, is to try to find peace uh, without compromising the Bible. Now, last week, we talked about politics. So in that service, I told everyone how to vote. You know, that was the plan. <laughs> no, actually, we didn't do that. Uh, but if you missed it, make sure you check it out online. Our two points were just our government and its officials are established by God for our good and are to be respected and honored. So again, you can uh, listen to that on our website or download our podcast. Now, to introduce our message today, I want to talk a little bit about the differences between men and women, okay? So, we're going to see how this all works. We're going to do a little uh, a test here. So, men, I want you to be thinking for a second. What are you thinking about right now? What are you thinking about? Food? What I'm talking about. Yeah, Right now, most men are thinking about what I'm saying right now, or they're thinking about food. It's like one of those two is what they're thinking about. And so I do this during premarital counseling or, or marriage counseling. I'll just ask the guys, say, you know, what's on your mind right now? And, and typically it's the question I just ask them. And then I'll, I'll flip over and, and ask the lady. I'll say, so what are you thinking about right now? Lori, what are some of the things that are on your mind right now? Everything that's coming up next week, what else you got going on? Like, what, is, what do you mean everything coming up next week? Like, what's happening Monday? What's happening Tuesday? Wednesday? Thursday? Friday? How about like in two months? You got some things? Yep, thinking about those too. Um, typically, ladies, you guys know this, there's more than one thing on your mind probably right now, right? You're, you're thinking about what I'm asking, but then you also have all these other things that are just going on. And I'll tell you, when I, when I do the marriage counseling... When the guy says, yeah, I'm just thinking about the question, the ladies look over and go, that's it? That's all you're thinking about? Yeah. I mean, aren't you? <laughs> you know? And then when the ladies start listing off, like they just keep pulling down these balloons that are floating, you know, and there's just a balloon for their family, a balloon for next Friday, a balloon for this, one after the other, the guys are like, 
how do you live like that? I mean, it's just like two very different thoughts. And uh, there have been books written about this. And uh, here's a couple of them. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. That talks about the differences between men and women. Love and Respect is another book that's been written, a great Christian author, about the differences between men and women. And then I like the name of this one. Men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. Yeah, you ever heard of that book? Anyone read that book? Boy, we just are just uneducated. We don't read any books about the differences between men and women. I have not read that one, though, but I have heard of it. We do watch videos, though. So I watched a video this week of comedian Mark Gunger, and he describes the differences between men's brains and women's brains this way. He says that men's brains are made up of a bunch of little boxes. That's what they are. So they have a box for work. They have a box for wife. They have a box for kids. They have a box for um, mowing the yard. You know, they have all these different boxes. And there's just one rule. None of the boxes touch, all right? They don't touch each other. And when you pull out any one box, all you do is talk about and think about what's in that box. It's just like, this is my work box. This is what I spend my time doing. Now, women, on the other hand, Mark Gunger says that their brains are made up of a big ball of wire, and everything is connected to everything else. So the kids are connected to the mother-in-law, which is connected to the softball game next week, which is connected to vacation, which is connected to doing the laundry. It's all connected. When they think about one thought, they just think about all the thoughts. And so he says that men typically have a special box too. It's called the, the nothing box. There's absolutely nothing inside of it. <laughs> and men can pull out the nothing box and just say there's some men, this is their favorite box. You know, and so when you ask your teenage son, you say, hey son, you, you look like you're deep in thought. What are you thinking about? And they go, nothing. <laughs> they really mean nothing. There's, there's nothing going on. They're just sitting there in the nothing box. Now, most women don't understand that. They can't understand the nothing box. Like, it must be nice to have a nothing box. So, men and women are wired differently. We're very, very different. And so, God created us different. So, it would go to prove that the reason he created us different is because he has different plans for us. He has different assignments for us. And today we're going to take a look at the assignment, the role that is for men. And we're going to look at the scripture related to that. Because God has wired men differently, and so he has a role for them. But in our society today, culture has shifted so much that many men are confused. They're like, well, what, what is my role today? This was on the Good Man's Project website. It was an article titled, The Man's Role in Society and Family, The Crucial Change of the 21st Century. Up until this century, men's and women's roles were fairly well-defined. Woman was expected to be a mother and a wife, taking care of husband's well-being and raising children, and man had to provide for his family. Today, the line between males and females' roles is becoming more blurred, as women tend to be as ambitious in the business world as men. Role of a man in a family included the following functions, a protector, a leader, a teacher, 
But even this can be handled by women today. So who is a man today? A hunter and protector or the nurturer who takes a maternity leave and lives with a breadwinning wife? So men's roles in our society today is confused. And there's been these words that have been used to describe positive male characteristics. And these are also not necessarily seen in a positive light anymore. Let me explain. Some words that have been used in the past to describe a man is powerful or aggressive or strong. But these characteristics don't necessarily bring out warm, happy thoughts in our society today. A hundred years ago, most labor was manual. And so a guy, they, they needed his strength to go out and plow the field, you know, and to run the horses or whatever. You know, you needed their, their natural physical strength. But today we use tractors and machines. And aggressiveness was helpful when you were going out and hunting your game. You had to be aggressive with that and, and kill your game and cook it and all that kind of thing. But today we raise cows and chickens on farms and, and we just buy them at McDonald's. You know, we don't even see that. It's just packaged for us. And then being powerful was something that was needed to, to win battles and, and to be in fights, those kinds of things. But today, most fights... Most wars are fought with jets and drones. So even that strength of, of man is not needed, doesn't seem to be needed as much today. So the value of man's natural strengths has diminished in our society today. And I believe that uh, the role is really in question. But here's our question for today. What is the role of men in our evolving society? In the 21st century, are there natural strengths and characteristics still needed? And let me say, let me answer that question right away with an emphatic yes, absolutely. We need men to be men in our society today. When King David was about to die, he gave this final charge to his son Solomon, who was going to take over the kingdom. He said, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. He said, be strong and act like a man. Act like a man. Now, in that day, King David didn't have to describe what it meant to act like a man. King David was a man's man. And so Solomon understood what his dad meant by that. But anymore in our society today, we don't know what that means. But I would say we still need to act like men. And our goal for today is to define a little bit what it means to be a man in our society today what it means to act like a man. So you can turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. It's just the second chapter in the Bible. And we're going to take a look at the original assignment for Adam, the first man. And hopefully it will help us to, to better understand man's role today because I don't believe that that assignment has changed. I believe that men have the same assignment today that they had when Adam was alive. So we're going to be in chapter 2. Verse 7. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden 
with the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then just jumping down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And that's where we're going to be today. Uh, today's message is titled, Men in Society, What's Their Role Today? We're going to try to answer that question, but let me pray. So Father, we come to you and we recognize the importance of this topic today. So Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to hear from you, to convict us where we need conviction, and to encourage us where we need encouragement, Lord. I pray that you would give me the words to say. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you can fill this in on your handout. Guys, there's just a couple of fill-in-the-blanks. I did that for you for Father's Day. Made it short. All right. The original assignment of man is to, number one, work. Work. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. All right? And if you have ever had a garden, you know that it takes work to put in a garden. You know, the vegetables don't just spring up on their own. The weeds just don't die on their own. It takes a lot of work to manage a garden. And I believe that men are naturally designed to do labor, to physically work. It also helps, I believe, that men are focused. That they can pick up a box and focus on it. So an example would be, you know, when I get up in the morning and I go to work, I'm able to take off my my parent hat, I'm able to take off my husband hat, I'm able to pick up the work box and go and just be really focused at work. And it, and it does help me. And then when I come home, I'm able to take off, most of the time, <laughs> the work hat, the box, and put that away and pick up the family box. And, it, and it, it helps that men can do that. Now wives, just so you know, it's not helpful if you ask your husband, did you think about me today? Because they're probably going to lie and say yes, but they, they probably didn't because they, they put that box away for most of the day and they were able to just focus on the task at hand. God's call to men is to work. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. It is important for men to work. And also, one of the things that's kind of neat is that God has wired us in such a way that we like to accomplish things. We like to get things done. According to Dr. Emerson Egerich's book, Love and Respect, God puts inside most men an internal desire to accomplish, to get something done. And this actually affects our self-image. It drives us. And I would say that most women... Are, are not like this. Now, there may be exceptions to any of these things that I'm saying, but generally speaking, most women do not get a boost in their self-image based on what they accomplish. I'll give you an example. So in our house, Rose likes to mow the lawn. So she mows the lawn every week and does a really nice job. Our lawn looks like a putting green. I mean, it looks really, really nice. But every once in a while, she goes on vacation or she's really busy and she lets me mow the lawn. And so I get to go out I get on the power tool, you know, and actually go mow the lawn. And I'll tell you what, as soon as I'm done, I mean, I'm not even inside the house, and I'm turning around, and I'm looking at the yard, and I'm going, I did that. Did you see that? And then when we're driving away, you know, Rose will be sitting with me. I'll be looking, driving really slow, looking at the lines going down of our yard. 
She's like, what are you doing? And then I turn around on our way back. I'm looking at it for like days. This is boosting my image, my self-image. And Rose is like, what in the world? I mow this every week. And it, you know, I don't even care. I just get it done. I'm like, yes, but this is what God, what God wired me to accomplish things. And when I do, I feel good about myself. King Solomon understood this. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, he says, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. He really meant, man, just go eat, drink, and enjoy your job because that's, that's going to help you if you just enjoy your work. So it affects men when we accomplish things. And I will say this, when men are unemployed, now for the first week or two, it feels like a vacation. But after that, I would submit to you, many men, if they don't find something to do with their time, you know, actually get out and do something, many men will, will slide into depression. They really will. And the same kind of thing has happened when people retire, when men retire as well. If they don't find something to do productive with their time, I mean, we've all kind of heard the stories. He retired in December and he was dead in March. I mean, this, like, he just didn't have a reason to live. You know, men need to accomplish things to get things done. Now, what I wanted to do today is I wanted to make sure that this message wasn't just for men. So this is for men and women. Uh, both. And so I wanted to talk about our sons, okay? Because um, it's important to understand this characteristic within men, because this is a tip that we can, can use when raising our sons. I got three tips for you. So ladies and men, number one, teaching your son to work is really good for them. So just keep that in mind. Boys don't like to work. <laughs> they will complain they will come up with all kinds of excuses. They might need to be prodded along. But just know that it is good for them to work. It will help them to feel good about themselves. And if you can teach them that at a young age, it's going to help them as they get older as well. And number two is that video games are a false sense of accomplishment. You guys have probably noticed that video games tend to be more addictive for boys than they are girls. Because it drives upon, thrives upon, boys' desire to accomplish. And so the video game is always about getting to the next level and getting to the next scene and getting to the next world and finishing the game. But at the end of the day, when a, when a teenage son has spent eight hours, you know, of accomplishing this video game, they feel like they accomplished something, but they didn't. I mean, really, they sat there and pushed buttons for eight hours. They didn't really accomplish anything. So, the, so one of the things we can do as parents of boys is to limit the video games just so that they don't get this false sense that that's accomplishing, accomplishing things. Let them accomplish things in the real world. You know, mow the lawn, rake the leaves, pull the weeds, whatever. And then number three, checklists work really, really well. I'm a checklist guy. Man, I love checklists. My wife has keyed in on this, so now the honeydew list is actually a list. You know, she actually writes it out for me, and I love checking things off the honeydew list. In fact, I'll go do something that's not on the list, and I'll come back and write it on the list and check it off, <laughs> just so I can check it off. It's that sense of accomplishment. <laughs> so we've been married for 14 years, and she's like, oh, I know how to get him to get things done. I'll make a list, because I like to check things off. And that's Again, that sense of accomplishment. So checklists work really well with your sons. So, so you guys can do that.
All right, that was the, the point number one. The original assignment of man was to work. Okay, number two. The original assignment of man was to take care of people and things. Take care of things. This is an important point. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So take care of it. The Hebrew word for that is shamar. It means a primitive root properly to hedge about as with thorns. Think about putting a hedge around. That is to guard generally to protect, attend to, and so on. So to guard and to protect and to attend to. Men were designed to take, th take care of things. Adam's original assignment was to take care of the garden and everything in it, including Eve. Now just so we know the difference, taking care of is different than nurturing. All right? So men and women have different definitions of this. So, for example, if you leave the kids with the dad for a couple of hours, he's going to take care of them. His definition is that they are not lost and they're not dead. All right? That's, that's the <laughs> definition. It's different than what mom would do. Okay? It's just it's a little different. Neither one's better. They're both needed, right? The kids need to be alive, and they also need to be emotionally supported too. So... But yeah, that's what men mean when they take care of things. Now, in our society today, we've been confused. Again, society has preyed upon this desire within men to take care of, and they've made us think that that means to take care of number one, you know, to take care of ourselves. And so they will tell us, oh man, you need to have this razor. You got to take care of yourself. Man, have you seen all the underwear commercials for men? Way too many. But you're like, guys, you need to have this underwear. This is got to have it. You know, there's all these things are preying upon men and telling them, hey, you need to take care of yourself. But that's empty. Guys, you don't have to worry about taking care of yourself because God will take care of us if we take care of those that God's called us to. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Men are called to take care of our household, to not focus on ourselves because Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So we can count, men, we can count on God taking care of our needs. We don't have to focus on ourselves. Now I would say this, the original sin of Eve, we all know, was to eat the forbidden fruit. But there is an original sin of men, too, from that same story, and we're going to talk about it. It's a weakness. It's a propensity within many men, within myself, I know, that we have to fight against. Now, a lot of people would say that it's laziness, but it, I would say that it's not. I would say this, this sin, this tendency that many men fight against that was handed down from Adam is passivity. Passivity. Now, let me explain. In Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read about the original sin. Verses 1 through 6, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. 
For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Adam was with her through this whole story. Now let's go back. What was Adam charged to do? To work the garden and to take care of it. That was his job. And so here is Eve being tempted to sin and having this conversation with the serpent who is more crafty than the other wild animals, getting talked into this sin. And what's Adam doing? Standing there. Didn't have pockets, but he had, if he would, he would have had hands in his pockets. <laughs> he was just standing there the entire time. He didn't do anything. He didn't, he didn't protect. He stood by passively and let everything fall apart. Guys, that's our tendency. Our tendency is to stand by, to not speak up to not act, to see an injustice and walk by. That's our tendency. But men, we need to step up in our marriages. We need to step up in our families. We need to step up in our neighborhoods, in our jobs. Men, we need to step up in our church. We have a lot of women stepping up in our church, but not a lot of men. We need men to step up and be willing to serve and lead and to help in the church. When we see something that's not right, instead of passively letting it happen, we need to man up and step up. Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. And I would say that's this passive nature that's sinful inside each man. So we need to take care of this planet that God has entrusted to us. This past week, I was working on this message, and I went through a drive-thru. And uh, there was a, a young lady working the drive-thru, smiling. She was probably about 19, 20 years old. And she's wearing the short sleeves that they had to wear in this restaurant. And I noticed she had some bruises on her arm here and some bruises here as well. And uh, it's not the kind of bruises that you get from falling down, you know. So I asked her, I said, so, hey, how'd you get the bruises on your arm? And she said, oh, it's a long story with a smile on her face. And then something inside of me rose up. And because this isn't me, I think it was the Spirit of God that said, I looked her right in the eye and said, are you all right? And I meant it. I was like, man, if somebody's hurting you, we're going to take care of that. I don't know who this was, what the situation was. You know, probably wouldn't have been a good thing for me to go break down somebody's door. But you know what? That was, I believe, the Spirit of God inside of me saying, for this week, for this message, that's what we need to do, men. If we see an injustice, if we see somebody in hurt, I mean, hurting, somebody in pain, we need to step up and ask the question. Now, she told me, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm good, but thanks. And, uh, but I know where she works, and so I'm going to keep an eye on her, make sure that she's doing okay. 
God has wired us to take care of people. So here's a question I want all of us men to consider. Who am I called to take care of? Who am I called to take care of? Now, I can tell you a couple of them right now. If you're married, it's your spouse. All right? If you're a father, it's your kids. You know? That's, that's two right off the bat. But who else? Could be your elderly next-door neighbor. And students, it could be that kid in class who's getting bullied. I mean, we're called to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. So it could be that, that kid in school. It could be a coworker that we know is in trouble in an abusive relationship. I'd say this, it's time to be a man and step up. Be the man that God has called you to be. Now, ladies, I'm not going to let you off the hook today. I have a question for you as well. Am I letting the men in my life take care of me? Am I letting the men in my life take care of me? With the women's lib movement, there's so many times that ladies can feel weak if they let someone take care of them. But just know, that's how God has wired us. God has called us to open doors, you know, to carry the heavy stuff. I wasn't going to go there. I'm going to go there. If you're a young lady, it's not your job to pick up your boyfriend in your car and drive him around while he plays on his cell phone. All right? Man. Let him use his car, his gas, pick you up. All right. But ladies, that, that is up to you, all right? So many times, you know, we, we watch the, the TV shows or the commercials and we think that we shouldn't let them do that. No, you really should. It's for your sake and it's for, for their sake as well. And if they're not willing to pick you up, see ya, right? Bye, Felicia, is that? All right. Still learning my words, you know? So ladies, let's not be too independent, all right? Now recognize, I recognize, if you don't have money in your life, you've got to take care of yourself. I get that. But sometimes it's, it's letting your son, you know, your teenage son, help you with something, you know? It's starting early. But let, let the men in your life help you. Because if we don't do this, then we're all missing out. And I just say that in our society today, you know, this, this value of men has been, you know, declining. They're just the strengths and the callings of men has been kind of pushed to the side. But we need to. We need to elevate men and we need to elevate women. It's not a either or. It's both in our society. God has wired us differently and he's called us to do different things. And so when we as a church step up and do our parts, men and women, we're going to function a lot better. We're going to be more like 
Christ himself. So that's the, the point number two. The original assignment of man was to take care of people and things. I'm going to invite Matt LaFree to come up and lead us in a closing prayer. So for um, prayer time, ministry time, there's a word that um, stuck out fairly clearly to me as Pastor Clint was speaking. And so, um, Christine, can you bring up the Ecclesiastes verse, if you can find that quickly? If not, no big deal. Because this is the word that, that stuck out to me. It's satisfaction. It says, find satisfaction in his work. And so that's the word I want to pray for us today and it's for men and women for men I think it's satisfaction in that work that that sometimes work is going to be you know people talk about hard work and sometimes work can be hard whether that's our job work or um, leading a family work it's hard but there's satisfaction in that and so so when we pray this that if, that if you want to find more satisfaction in your work that's what I want to pray for. And then for the for the women's side, as, as that second point at the very end, Clint talked about um, letting man take care of you. God created us all and differently, and there are there are there are people that have strong wills, and but but I think sometimes for women that may be hard um, to find satisfaction and not having control of certain things. And so I just want to I just want to pray satisfaction over us. Satisfaction in our roles and finding being satisfied with, with the way that God created us man and women. So how am I going to do that? I don't know yet. But let me do this. Let's, so let me... This stuck out to me too as I was reading through. I, I was listening to Pastor Clint, but I was reading at the end. It says, it says, find satisfaction work. This too I see is from the hand of God. So satisfaction, God can give us satisfaction in our roles. And so if that's you, if you want more satisfaction in your role, whether that's the role of man or role of woman, would you stand up where you are? And then we're going to pray over that room. So, so if... if I need to find satisfaction in, in, in a, a part of my life, whether that's work or whether that's something at home, the satisfaction in, in accepting my, my role as a man or a woman. If you want that, then I just ask you to stand up where you're at. And God's telling me too, with the word satisfaction of thinking of maybe even the little things, if there's just maybe one small area of your life where you want more satisfaction. Anyone else? Okay, I'm going to pray. If you would look around, this is one of the things I love about Lighthouse. If you look around and just lay a hand on somebody that's standing that's near you as I pray. We're all on the prayer team today.
So Father God, we just, we come to you this morning. We thank you for, for creating us all differently. And when I think of that, I think of in two, we thank you for creating us man and creating us woman. We thank you for, for giving us certain roles in our life that, that you wanted us to have. And so God, so now I pray for those that are standing, it's just that simple word of satisfaction. Give them satisfaction, give them joy. Give them that warm, fuzzy feeling that, that they're doing what they're supposed to do. And God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you break down any barrier that, that would keep them from accepting their role because of stubbornness or because of um, maybe past hurts, God. I pray that you just break that down. You want us to be satisfied in our work. So whatever area that they're thinking about today, God, whatever area of their life that they need satisfaction, we just ask that you download it to them today. Because you are a God of satisfaction. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.